We found the computer outlet, sir. Plug in. You should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. You are listening to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming organization. Stay tuned for global news from the front lines of the Empire as the men and women of Vader's fist celebrate more than a decade of promoting Star Wars, honing the art of costumes and props, and contributing to the community through charity and volunteer work. And here are your hosts. Take it away, troopers. Copy that. Welcome to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Vader's Fist. This is episode 72 for April 2013, and I'm your host, Nikki DZ8397. Hi there, I'm Scott. SL9854. And this is Andy, ID8169. So the 501st Legion is currently at 6,117 members with 10,201 approved costumes in the Legion. In this episode, we'll talk about a Legion member taking his costume to the next level, con season that's in full swing, free comic book day, and last but not least, chatting with our guest, Stephen Stanton. Stay tuned. Star Wars The Clone Wars may be gone for now, but five seasons of new characters have given us new costumes for decades to come. We're also excited to say that thanks to Rude BH6065, I hope that I pronounced that correctly, uh, from our Dutch garrison, we now have a Rocco Hardeen in our ranks. For those not in the know, Rocco Hardeen first appeared in the episode Deception from the fourth season of The Clone Wars, when he was hired to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ironically, both Kenobi and Hardeen were voiced by James Arnold Taylor. We'll have a link to a photo of BH6065 in our show notes, or you can also see him on the main 501st Facebook page. The debut of the English version of our Russian Outpost webzine has hit the virtual newsstands entitled The Empire Monthly and edited by Russian Outpost CEO Alonia SL10010. It debuted in Russian back in January and is now available in English. We'll have a link to the full issue in our show notes. Excellent work, Anolia. And I believe Legion Pro Brian got some accolades for as well for helping with the English version. Back on January 31st, a Maryland family lost everything in a house fire. Worse, they lost their two youngest daughters, Sophie and Madigan. Their surviving daughter, Morgan, is eight years old and a huge Star Wars fan. Her mother has been asking friends and family to send cards to Morgan with words of encouragement and support while they try to rebuild their lives. A neighbor reached out to Old Line Garrison, and now we're reaching out to you, our listeners. If you would like to send a card with perhaps some trading cards or temporary tattoos included, then please visit our show notes at 501st.com slash podcast for the address of one of our Old Line Garrison members where you can send items for Morgan. Then in a couple of weeks, Old Line will be making arrangements to visit with Morgan and her family and present all the cards and goodies that have been received. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it, troopers. Let's get the good word out. We'd also like to give a special thank you to Herd Universe for sending in a care package of merchandise for Morgan. Also, we just learned that the town of Frederick is going to build a playground in the near future and dedicate it to the departed girls. And Old Line Garrison plans on being there for Morgan at the dedication ceremony. Next, we wanted to give a shout-out to Central Garrison member Matthias. SL9833, who has been portraying Darth Maul for the Legion since July of 2011. 
In order to do his representation of the shirtless mall, he endures six hours of makeup application, uh, the supplies for which, of course, get very costly. So he has decided instead to have the black portions of mall's tattoos permanently tattooed to his body and started a project on fundraiser.com to accomplish this. As of this recording, he's raised about 45% of his $2,000 goal. Uh, we'll have a link to his fundraiser page in our show notes. We'll also have a link to an article on almostnerdy.com all about Matthias. Definitely dedication there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's something, but I say, you know, good luck with that, and it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Yeah, I mean, I guess he actually worked it out, and even though tattoos are costly, the, between the time and all the makeup supplies that he had to do, it, he's going to make out in the long run. Well, when I-, I mean, he'll still have to put the red... Obviously, because it's only going to be the black portions. Right. But, well, when but. I first read the, I actually saw the almostnerdy.com article about it, and for just a second, I thought he was absolutely nuts because I misread it and thought he was doing from the waist up Darth Maul. <laughs> I was like, "How are you going to get that off your face? <laughs> Who would do that?" Uh, and now I think he's okay. He's sane. Just so everyone knows. Uh, but yeah, definitely <laughs> check it out. It's uh, it's pretty pretty interesting stuff. And if you guys have been on Facebook or StarWars.com in the past few weeks, obviously you've seen the whole March Madness that has been going on and the, the brackets. And and obviously Yoda won out in the end. And uh, I was actually seen on Tom Kane's Facebook page that ESPN interviewed him as Yoda. Um, and we'll have a link to that video in the show notes. So did did anyone else follow the whole the March Madness? Who thing? did Yoda go up against? I didn't even say up uh, Darth Vader. Vader. Oh, and he won. Yeah, I was kind of surprised too. Actually, inconceivable. <laughs> <laughs> You're mixing your genres. There. Oh, that's just not right. Uh, I did. I did happen to watch. Of course, you can't have missed March Madness if you're on Facebook at all. It, it's freaking everywhere. Um, but it's pretty funny to see some of the pairings that they've done over the past few weeks. Uh, they had one the other day too. Um, um, they had uh, Ahsoka and Chewbacca. And I know that Ashley uh, Eckstein did a really fun little video about preparing Ahsoka to battle against Chewbacca. So we'll try to find the, sh- uh, find the link to that and put it in the show notes as well. It's pretty entertaining, even though there's no way she could win. Sorry, Ashley. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just thought it was cool, though, that some of the celebrities were getting like so behind their characters, you know, rooting for them and stuff like that. That was fun. Yeah, no, I think it's great. So, uh, it, And it's been fun to see, although uh, I haven't seen uh, – are we down to the final fight yet? It was Yoda versus Vader. Oh, it Vader. was Yoda. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I take that back. I take back the duh. Um, in that case, it's even worse. There's no way Yoda would win. I say, let's get the 501st Legion to go sit on the steps of Yoda's house and boycott him. <laughs> the ceiling's too short. I guess we can't. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Don't do that, people. <laughs> yeah, it would be like banging our heads on the... Uh... That doorway yeah. all over again. He can't you know? possibly make enough gruel or whatever that is he eats either. So. <laughs> oh yeah, not to feed the five hundred first Legion. We're at six thousand something members. Exactly. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Anyway, check it out. Check out the videos. They're actually really uh, they're kind of fun to watch. So when I was working on uh, getting this show ready, I posted on the five hundred first cast Facebook page to put a call out and see if there was anything else that people wanted us to talk about. 
and the we actually got one comment. I was so shocked. Uh-huh. And they wanted to know basically what is going to happen so that actually I should probably get it and read it verbatim so that I'm quoting this person properly. So what was posted was this this following comment. With Disney cutting ties with numerous entities recently, there's a lot of talk on the forums as to where the 501st stands in the Disney mix. Is there a future for the 501st in Disney? Or are we waiting for the order to cease and desist? Hmm. So, obviously, the, the rumors are abound ever since we first were, started talking about that Lucasfilm was sold to Disney. Oh, sure. Um. And with the cancellation of the Clone Wars and, you know, recently LucasArts was uh, closed down, things like that. So, uh, you know, I understand where people are potentially getting concerned. Right. But it's interesting how he he mentions um, as far as the future with 501st and Disney. As later on in this episode, we're going to be talking about how we will once again be marching through Disney World for Star Wars weekends. I'm sure many people are aware we've been doing this for years. Um, That relationship has not changed. Uh, We are the only group that is allowed to wear costumes other than Disney employees on the grounds of Disney. I mean, I don't think you can get much cooler than that. Right. And it's not going to change, people. Right. (laughs) So we also have... um, People may have seen the notice that we put up on our Facebook page, and I'll read that off, too. It said, Despite any concerns surrounding the restructuring that has occurred since the acquisition of Lucasfilm by Disney, the 501st Legion will always love Star Wars. The iconic stories and characters are truly woven into the tapestry of our society today. Its power has always been a force urging us to go forth and celebrate the saga with a focus on fun, costuming, and charity, and we will continue to inspire us for generations to come. So bring on more Star Wars. We're ready. So that's basically our philosophy is we are still going to be doing what we love regardless of who owns Star Wars. Absolutely. So hopefully that that answers the question that was posted on our Facebook page. I mean, really, I don't see how we can go anywhere but up from here. I mean, there's so much that they're teasing us with all these new things that they're going to put in front of us, and it's, it's going to be fun. Well, <laughs> just so you know, too, I've started collecting quarters in my piggy bank, so I should be able to buy out Disney in the next uh, couple of years, and then I'll do whatever I want with Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And then See, we got everyone can come to me, and we'll, we'll have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you have questions for us on the 501st cast also, you know, send them in. Uh, I think, do we have a regular place we ask people to call in or post up questions, or do we just peruse the Facebook page and look for things to grab and talk about? I mean, they can get a hold of us numerous ways. We have our hotline, which we can post again in the show notes. You can email us at podcast at 501st.com. Obviously, we have our Facebook page. There's a main Legion Facebook page. Um, You can contact us however you would prefer. Our Facebook page has a Facebook page. So find us, <laughs> find us, and send us your comments and questions. We'd love to hear from our own troopers and anyone else who has a question for the 501st cast. This is Admiral Wilhoff talking, asking you to listen to the 501st cast, or we'll steer the Death Star in your particular galaxy. Mission reports.
As rumors of yet another rebel incursion into the eastern coastal sector of North Carolina spread, the need for a reminder for imperial loyalty became quite clear. Lord Vader's dispatched two of his most faithful troopers to the region to remind the citizens what true loyalty to the empire was. Led by one of the most trusted Tuscans and his most faithful royal guard, Stealth, the two were quite surprised to find the uprising to be led by a bunch of younglings known as the Cub Scouts. With their force pike and gaffy stick at the ready, the guard and the Tuscan met little resistance as the younglings were eager to take pictures with the Empire's finest. Though the Tuscan took off in search of a Jedi called Skywalker, the guard kept a watchful eye as the younglings posed for pictures and shook hands with both members of the Empire. After a brief break, the guard and the Tuscan returned to answer questions the younglings had about the gear, as well as explain the presence and mission of the 501st Legion. Rebel Legion and the different costuming groups as well shared the tale of our beloved R2KT. Overall, the mission was a success as those in the eastern sector were once again reminded of the power of the Empire. Both Imperials departed back towards the Goldsboro outpost, knowing that they may yet again be dispatched back to the area under the orders of Darth Vader. Thanks to Jane, TR7483, for that report, and to Gene, DZ10073, for trooping with her. So essentially, to put that in English, they went to a Cub Scout blue and gold banquet. <laughs> but I love how the Carolina Garrison does these right. uh, in-person mission reports for me. It's so much fun. Right. And I like the little, to find the uprising led by a bunch of younglings known as Cub Scouts. They're like Ewoks. They're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so the Blair E. Batson Children's Hospital, with the help of Rancor Raiders Garrison in Mississippi, raised a staggering, are you ready, Scott? Mm-hmm. $8,400 for the children. What? From, yeah. <laughs> from a parade. I've never heard of this much money being raised as, as a parade. I mean, that's a number even the emperor himself would be pleased wow. with. Wow. I am absolutely dumbfounded. This is awesome. I kept saying I so, would not use that word this podcast. I apologize. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so definite kudos go out to Legion Troopers from Rancor Raiders and Mid-South Garrison for participating for the fourth year in this parade. This year they were at the front of the parade with representatives from the Children's Hospital, and troopers helped those representatives take up donations along the parade route. They were also selling uh, beads, you know, necklace beads for a dollar, and T-shirts that they had to buy. So that all helped, you know, fun, you know wow. gather that $8,400, right. but that was amazing. Wow. And speaking of St. Patrick's Day parades... TD-44031 and the 501st Ireland Outpost marched in the Drogheda St. Patrick's Day Parade on their very first St. Patrick's Day as an official Legion unit. How exciting! Yeah, exactly. Yay! And we're sorry if we uh, massacred that word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang it. I actually have a smidgen of, you know, Irish blood, but it doesn't help with pronunciation. Yeah, no, I have to drink a lot to talk Irish. Uh <laughs> <laughs> The Empire once again dispatched troopers to the Fayetteville sector to continue the Emperor's policy of the proper indoctrination of all citizens. 
Upon arrival, it was discovered that a small band of rebels had made their way to a hockey game where the Empire had planned to stage its propaganda efforts. So as not to cause a disturbance on such a festive night, Imperial troopers decided not to destroy the rebels and make an effort to show the compassion of the Empire by tolerating their presence. Besides, the Imperials were not worried since a squad of Mando Mercs had already paid a hefty sum to side up with the Empire should things get out of control with the rebels. The local citizens immediately showed their loyalty to the Empire by requesting that Lord Vader drop the puck to signal the start of the game. Vader also took it upon himself to demonstrate the true nature of the Force by choking several of the hockey team mascots. Nicely done, Vader. While the Imperials spread throughout the arena to intimidate and arrest those who appeared to be even the slightest bit uncooperative, uh, the rebels were being their usual happy selves. They just kept on going about restoring the peace and happiness to the galaxy, blah, 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 blah. Now the mercs just stood by watching the Imperials and rebels go about their bickering and only cared about the potential opportunity to blast someone or throw something up. Did I say throw something up? I meant blow something <laughs> up. But you know, it's mercs. They, they like to do those things. Their itchy fingers were on the triggers all night long. The tension between the Imperials and the Rebels and the Merc eventually reached such a boiling point that when Vader, pre-armor of course, and Obi-Wan squared off in front of the home crowd, no one was destroyed. Vader got the last laugh after kicking Obi-Wan square in the and running from the scene. Everyone managed to get along for the rest of the evening and collectively raised $264.71 for the Make-A-Wish of Eastern North Carolina after a signed team jersey raffle. The winner of the raffle turned out to be a special needs person who was granted a wish from Make-A-Wish about three years ago and managed to survive his condition. So thanks to Bill, SL4821, for that fantastical report. Yeah, and we'll have some links to video and uh, photos in the show notes, too. Absolutely. At only two years old, the Lexington Comic and Toy Show is quickly becoming the premier pop culture convention in Kentucky. In planning their attendance for the con this year, the Mid-South Garrison decided to add a charity aspect to their presence to benefit the Lexington Children's Hospital. Spearheaded by Tyler TK1143, Mid-South Garrison, with the assistance of Truth, from neighboring garrison held raffles and took donations all weekend long. A professional-looking booth and an award-winning life-size do-back photo op, troops working the crowd with a droid hunt, conducting costuming panels, honorary garrison member inductions, and a display of the upcoming charity shoe project made sure there was a lot of foot traffic at the booth to ensure everyone knew of the charity efforts. In the end, over the two days of the con, a total of $2,207 was raised for the Children's Hospital. Excellent work, Mid-South Garrison. Wow, that's a good one. And did you notice how that was sneaky? They had a charity shoe project and made sure there was a lot of foot traffic. I want to have a, uh, uh, um, what are those little two-wheeled things you ride along? <laughs> yeah, I want to have a Segway project. <laughs> <laughs> That's so random. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying, people. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the uh, 501st may seem to be the odd one out at an anime convention, but that did not stop the Pacific Outpost from successfully implementing their first Shooter Trooper, now called Blast Trooper, event. Over the course of three days at an average of three to four hours per day, the troopers in attendance were able to raise, together with the Sith cheerleaders and in association with Kawaii Khan, an astonishing amount of $946.53 in direct fundraising for Shriners Hospitals for Children. Kudos go to Christian, IC86007. Oh, 007, that's nice. Uh-huh. For, for donating a huge Nerf armory to make this event possible. We'll have a link to photos from this event in our show notes, and we'll also have a link to a local news article. Thanks to Jerowen, TK80866, for that report. Nicely done. And the Blast the Trooper thing is, you know, still one of our best fundraisers, so I'm glad to see that, uh, you know, garrisons are taking advantage and having some fun with the fans and, you know, letting them get uh, shot with Nerf darts. Not the fans, the troopers. (laughs) 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 All righty, well... Mexico's Skull Garrison was invited as a guest to the South Texas Collectors Expo on the border city of Laredo, Texas. Although this is in Star Garrison's territory, they received clearance from Central Texas squad leader to proceed uh, with this over-the-border mission. With permission from the convention organizer, Skull Garrison put purpose to their appearance by supporting their little friend Rodrigo, a five-year-old boy that had been battling leukemia since he was three. Last year, Legion members supported him by helping to raise funds to aid his single mom on the expenses for a bone marrow transplant. Rodrigo and his little brother Leo, who was the donor, went through a very complicated operation, and they came out bravely. Unfortunately, Rodrigo's immune system rejected the transplant, and he went back to radiotherapy. Now, Rodrigo has insurance, but uh, this does not cover all the travel expenses and the actual insurance monthly payments, which are very, very high. So Skull Garrison Troopers got together and prepared for this expo with activities to raise funds for Rodrigo by requesting donations for photos with their troopers. And Rodrigo, who valiantly attended for the full two days of the convention from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. in his mini Darth Vader costume. Rodrigo and his mom were treated as special guests and they got to meet all the celebrities and took pictures with them for free. Uh, Rodrigo was inducted as a Imperial Cadet number one in Skull Garrison, and he will soon be a part of the Galactic Academy. The Skull Garrison had printed 60 high-quality prints uh, in an 11 by 17 format from a previous photo shoot and gave those to anyone who donated $5 or more to Rodrigo's case. The prints were a huge success, and when the fans uh, got troopers to sign them as well, they were absolutely thrilled. So the Blast the Trooper game was run at the booth as well for, you know, two and six dollars or two dollars for six starts, etc. And the fans loved getting the chance to fire on the troopers, as they always do. And lastly, they had a raffle for two dollars a ticket for three unique items that they were donating to the event. Altogether, these efforts raised nine hundred and forty six dollars for Rodrigo. The Skull Garrison made some other honorary member inductions to their unit uh, during the show. Felixia, uh, Rita from the Flying Ewok from ROTJ, and Carl Strukian, uh, King Tarak from the Ewoks, the Battle for Endor, were both inducted. Zachary McGinnis, the Administrative Director for the Peter Mayhew Foundation, was also at the show, and he donated $200 on the spot on behalf of Peter Mayhew for Rodrigo. They made Zach an honorary member of the Skull Garrison too because of all his support. You can find photos from this event on the Garrison's website, SkullGarrison.com, uh, and we'll have links to that in the show notes as well. And thanks to Gustavo, ID 7784, for that report. The weekend of March 
23rd through the 24th saw our Mexican garrison attending La Mole Comic Con at the World Trade Center in Mexico City. Legion members had a great time participating in photo contests, blasted trooper, arresting people passing by the booth, and providing escort for convention guest and the 501st honorary member, Daniel Logan. We'll have a link in our show notes to a real funny video showing how good a sport Daniel is when the garrison arrested him. Thanks to Neneve TK2402 for that report. As we talked about last episode, Southern California Garrison, along with neighboring garrisons, Rebel Legion, and Mandalorian Mercs, held a photo shoot for charity with members of all clubs appearing to pose with attendees against a Star Wars backdrop for a donation to charity over at WonderCon in Anaheim. And just over $3,000 was raised to benefit the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. So, Scott, tell us what else happened at this event. Well, we didn't raise $8,000 like that other garrison. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still in awe of those guys. Uh, This was a great event. I mean, WonderCon uh, WonderCon is, you know, uh, again, I think we mentioned it last episode. It's basically that now there is WonderCon uh, Los Angeles. And uh, so it was uh, a really great con. We, you know, did the usual 501st group photo. Everyone turned out for. There was a lot of people uh, out for photos that day. The weather was great. We did run the photo booth. We were originally going to do a blast to Trooper, but there was just so much going on. We weren't sure of, you know, space and things. Uh, And I was really surprised how many people came out and, you know, just made their $5 donations or whatever to get photos with our, our troopers. We had a nice Death Star backdrop. Uh, you know, we had the R2 builders next to us, and they had a couple of Wallies actually running around in our area, too, which people loved. Um, and I was able to, uh, you know, get a couple of our honorary members to stop by. We had Team Unicorn come to the booth and pose for photos for a little while, and uh, they helped us raise quite a bit of money. Uh, um, Chris Hardwick stopped by from Nerdist and The Talking Dead, and uh, we made uh, 200 bucks in 20 minutes uh, with Chris there. So, you know, mm-hmm. we've we've been able to have a few of our honorary members step in and help us out and I want to say uh, uh, thank you officially to all of them if I didn't already say it enough times uh, and I'm looking forward to doing more of that in you know future cons. The Northeast Remnant Garrison was invited to appear at the Asbury Park Comic Con in New Jersey on March 30th. Their mission was to mingle with attendees, draw attention to the event, and run a blasted trooper station. With support from the Rebel Legion counterparts, they were able to provide more than 20 characters for the event and raise $304 for the New Jersey hometown heroes Restore the Shore charity. We'll have a link to photos in our show notes, and thanks to PR Officer James TK6799 for that report. The families of children with autism and their wonderful children came together in a safe and fun environment for two hours on March 30th to celebrate the International Lighted Up Blue Autism Speaks Awareness Day. Everyone had a great time chatting with fellow parents, playing footy, bouncing on the massive bouncy castle, and eating as much sugar as they could find. Plus, they were able to visit with the troopers from United Kingdom Garrison, who helped raise 342 pounds, about 520 U.S. dollars, at the event for the National Autistic Society. The money was raised by voluntary donations for people who wanted cakes, candy floss, raffle tickets, and other items, all voluntarily donated by parents of children with autism, including some great cakes made by Mrs. TK5548 in celebration of their autistic son. The money raised will go to support future events for autistic children to gather together and have fun 
in a non-judgmental environment, as well as fun training courses for parents of children with autism. Parents commented towards the end of the event that some of the kids were more receptive to seeing the troopers than they have been in other day-to-day situations. They were curious, excited, and confident to go see what the troopers were all about and why they were there. One little lad just simply wanted to touch the troopers to see what they were, from the TK boots and armor all the way to the sand troopers backpack. There was another boy who was very curious when seeing the sand trooper to know why the trooper had eaten all the chocolate and smothered it around his armor. Thanks to Jason TK5548 for that report. <laughs> now, I'm assuming in the UK plane, footy means something else. Then I'm going with like soccer or kickball, something like that. Or, I don't know. It could be footy. They could just be sitting around playing footy. <laughs> <laughs> or footsies, as we like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the cakes were cupcakes, but I don't know which kind of candy candy floss is. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I guess we'll have to get some sent to us from the UK garrisons. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of autism awareness events, on April 7th, members of French Garrison, along with some of their Rebel Legion counterparts, traveled to the little town of Oleron St. Marie for a special Autism Day event. During the event, they posed for photos and helped raise 200 euros for charity. Thanks to Christoph TB3741 for that report. Nice job, troopers. Oh, by the way, candy floss is cotton candy. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Okay, you guys didn't have to send us any. Yeah, we got plenty of that here. (laughs) For the fifth year, the Carolina Garrison attended Wonderfest in Charleston, South Carolina, the city's biggest free family event of the year with over 7,000 attendees showing up. Everything at the event was free. Rock climbing walls, live music, obstacle courses, hot dogs, Chick-fil-A sandwiches, and lots of uh, national toy companies were on hand to give out free toys to all the children that attended. The garrison had a great table display set up under a tent. It included brochures and upcoming garrison events, info on R2KT, detachment info, as well as a nice collection of handmade props. Legion members posed for lots of pictures, both with attendees as well as plenty of the local mascots, and were treated to a very nice array of snacks and food throughout the event. They had such an impressive presence with their armor and costumes that the coordinators have already invited them back again for 2014. Thanks again to Jason, TD5945, for that report. Our Turkish outpost had their first event for 2013 at Contact 3 in Istanbul, Contact is a series of FRP and sci-fi events, and it attracts almost everyone who is interested in pop culture, including gamers and cosplayers. It is one of the best places to introduce people who are Star Wars fans and interested in costumings to the 501st Legion. The Outpost had a joint booth with their Rebel Legion counterparts and a local Star Wars online news site, and it was decked out with banners, cards, flyers, and prop replicas. They had numerous opportunities to tell attendees who the 501st is, what we do, and how to become a member. Also, the Outpost Membership Liaison did a presentation about costume and prop making on the second day of the event. We'll have a link to some photos from the event in our show notes. Thanks to Atis SL 
1-800-259-3983 for that report. 70th Explorers Garrison was also at a con the weekend of April 6th and 7th. And working with their counterparts from the Rebel Legion, Mandalorian Mercs, and Dark Empire, they raised $1,042 for the Peter Mayhew Foundation at Planet Comic Con 2013 in Kansas City, Missouri. The proceeds from this will go to Baby Lay. The groups raised the money through several drawings, art sales, and jail and bail. A special thanks to Daryl Woods, a friend of the Legion and LFL-recognized character artist, who donated a considerable amount of artwork to make this possible. I suppose it's been a while. We should probably put another link to Princess Leia's site to just remind people that uh, the fight is ongoing for her. No, certainly. We have a couple of solo troops we wanted to give props to. So again, the Skull Garrison was invited by Pro Annie Group. Uh, Pro Annie stands for Pro Animal. To attend an event on March 16th in the promotion of rescuing homeless animals. The event took place in the city where they only had one member close by, so Ricky, ID 7457, attended the event by himself in his snowtrooper and represented the Skull Garrison and the 501st very bravely. He was accompanied by his family, and as a token of gratitude, Pro Annie gave an award to the 501st Legion. So we'll have a link to that in our show notes as well. And also, on April 7th, Costa Rica Outpost member Grand Admiral Ed... AR-5494, attended the Shibifest, a small mini-convention. He was joined by fellow 501st member Rick, who attended as Bane from Batman. Great job in representing the 501st Legion during your solo troops, gentlemen, and look for him in our show notes. Well, it's been many moons since we had uh, uh, last had an honorary member interview for you here on the 501st cast, and we're very excited to welcome Clone Wars' Stephen Admiral Tarkin stand-in to our airwaves. So welcome, Stephen. Greetings from Admiral Tarkin in the partially built Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to be here, everybody. <laughs> Was the building of the uh, Death Star canceled with uh, Clone Wars? Oh, no, happened? there's a Kickstarter. There's a separate Kickstarter for that. We, but we just haven't raised all the money for it yet. <laughs> it's good to hear. <laughs> yes. But there actually is a Kickstarter program out there to build the Death Star, in case you haven't seen it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, ever since the White House turned down the request to build it here in the United States, I think the U.K. picked up the ball and they started their own uh, Kickstarter over there. <laughs> so got a long way to go, though. you got to love Star Wars fans, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, as uh, many of our listeners are probably aware, you were inducted into the 501st Legion as an honorary member back in October of 2011 by Southern California Garrison at that year's uh, Long Beach Comic Con. And we'll actually have a link to the video from that induction in our show notes. Um, Was that the first time you had really interacted with us? Or when, if not, when did you first learn about the 501st? Well, actually, you know what? I first learned about the 501st back when I was making the Pink Five uh, films. Uh, that was my first introduction to that organization because they were the ones that uh, Southern California Garrison came forward and was loaning uh, Trey Stokes, the director of that, uh, a lot of the Stormtrooper armor. And I think that's where we got the Vader costume. And uh, so that was my, and you know, at that time I was like, so what is this? And that was the first time I ever heard of Celebration, too. And I thought, it's a Star Wars con and it's called what? Celebration? I don't get it. And. <laughs> so yes, all that's uh that was I was kind of new to the to the the fan aspect of Star Wars at that at that point. I didn't know it was as well organized as it was, but that's when I first uh 
first started uh, getting uh, getting wind that there was this great big organization out there with lots of stormtroopers in it. It sort of seems to be the standard reaction. There, there's a what? A group of who? <laughs> no, I remember sitting going into the wardrobe room and asking Christine, who was a or wardrobe uh, mistress and wrangler and all that. And I'm like, so explain to me what is this and why is it called that? I was just, I was so kind of befuddled by the whole concept, but I thought it was really neat because there was this room full of armor, and it's like, can anybody just try these on? <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> like, you see the helmet, and you immediately gravitate toward it. It's so iconic. Right. I mean, that's really the, the I think, the trophy piece out of any of the armor is really that helmet, you know? Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, that's interesting. I know that since then, you've done uh, quite a few things with the 501st, and you've been to a couple of uh, celebrations. Um, uh, you're a very strong supporter of the 501st Legion, which we are very grateful for. Um, I'm curious if you have any sort of memorable moment from one of your events that stands out from the rest. Oh, boy. There's a there's kind of a list there. Let's see if I can, uh, you know, uh, get it all um, um, sort of sorted out in my head. One of the, you know, the probably I think one of the things that really stands out is the charity work that you guys do and, you know, like working with Make-A-Wish Foundation and meeting some of the kids there, like at C6, uh, you know, that uh, you guys are raising money for. And um, I, that that's part of that's I think that's probably – the most memorable memorable moments are meeting fans, especially when you're with the 501st, like at C6 when, Scott, you were in the Vader costume and I was uh, in the, the Tarkin uh, costume. Right. We met so many great people. Uh, it was, that's, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as that goes. I mean, uh, go, walking through C6 in Florida <laughs> with, um, um, with uh, Rick Fitz dressed in his Star Trek uniform, uh, that, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> that was I, think, I don't think it had ever been done before. Uh, there was a young man that we met in a wheelchair at uh, at C six who was uh, we took our actually got our photos taken with him in front of the big sort of Death Star uh, backdrop as Tarkin and Vader. Uh, he was uh, he was great. I mean, it was, uh, it was great meeting him too. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's almost it's almost getting to be like a, a blur in some way because it's it's not that the cons are the same they are very different but the thing is with the Star Wars community you meet a lot of the same people no matter what part of the country or the world you go to so it's, sometimes it's kind of like difficult to sort it out of my head it's like so when did we do that because I know I was with the same people in both places you know but right. <laughs> I'm sure you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. No, absolutely. Every time, you know, you put on the costume and walk any place, you see that same level of excitement from people. So I can understand how it just all becomes a big blur. Mm-hmm. A good one, though. A good blur. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> now, you, you just mentioned that you were in the Pink Five series uh, with Trey Stokes. So how did that all come about? Well, Trey Stokes and I have known each other for 20-some-odd years. Um, you know, he was a visual effects supervisor, and I've known him since, like, you know, long, long time ago. And um, he just called me up out of the blue uh, when he was doing the sequel to Pink Five, uh, the, you know, uh, Pink Five Strikes Back. And he originally called me and said, hey, would you be up to doing, you know, a voiceover for the ghost of Obi-Wan? And I'm like, yeah, sure, it sounds like fun. And, you know, things, kind of, a few weeks went by or whatever, and he had been working on the script and fleshing it out more, and he called me back and said, how would you feel about going on screen, on camera as Obi-Wan? I'm like, oh, <laughs> even better, you know. <laughs> that sounds great. So that's what, uh, 
so that kind of prompted uh, my association with that uh, series of films. And then when uh, you know he did the you know the third part of the trilogy, uh, he said, "What do you think about doing Emperor Palpatine?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, absolutely." <laughs> that was you know being able to play both the 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 dark side and the. I don't know, do they call it the what do they call it? It's the dark side. What do they call the, the Jedi side? Really, is it? It's light? the light side. Light side. Okay, yeah, it didn't yeah. sound right. It sounded like a diet cola or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are so, Jedi yeah, light. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was great to play both sides of the coin in the in the same film. And one of those great great thing was that uh, you know they had uh, one of the guys from Stan Winston Studios do the makeup. So they did you know uh, life mask and uh, you know all the prosthetics and everything were sculpted you know specifically for my face. So you know it was uh, it was great to be dressed up like that and do the whole thing. It's just. You know, just so much fun being that evil bad guy and just, you know, I have no interest in moisturizer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find yourself fighting between the two in your own head? Um, no, you know, <laughs> both of them are just as fun. I don't know. We had for a while, there were some outtakes we did as Obi-Wan, which were kind of funny, where he just started talking like Mr. Haney from Green Acres and one where he was a... Uh, he wasn't sober, and, and there's another one where he was kind of like, uh, you know, talking like Ed Wynn from Mary Poppins. I'll have to ask Trey where those are, see if they're up online somewhere, but uh, those might be fun to put back up again. Those would be a blast to see. So uh, with, with Pink 5 also, I know that they just completed the uh, sort of the final bit of the saga, uh, and there's been some screenings. We did a screening, uh, or I saw a screening at AllCon. I know there's one planned for the Long Beach uh, Comic Expo that's coming mm -hmm. up. Um, what kind of involvement did you have in that sort of last episode, and was there any sort of leftover, I don't know, gee, I wish it would continue? Or Well, the, as far as my involvement in the very last part, because Trey's last, you know, his Return of the Jedi sort of piece turned out to be its own trilogy. It just became so big. Uh, he divided that into three parts. So Pink Five is actually a six-part uh, film, um, I think, or five parts. I can't remember now. But anyway, uh, so I didn't really have anything to do in the last shoot other than some, um, some ADR, some dialogue replacement, some looping. He had changed some lines, so I had to go in the booth and redo that. And also they actually did some puppetry on the uh, the emperor in that scene, I don't want to spoil it for anybody yet, but yeah, they ended up doing a puppet of 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 me um, for part of that, some green screen stuff that they had to do. But other than that, uh, I wasn't involved in the shoot. Although I know you, Scott, were uh, on set uh, in costume, <laughs> and uh, it came out pretty good. I you know I saw your scenes in our first sneak preview that we did at AllCon, and uh, yeah, you look good. Yeah, no one can give a thumbs up on screen like I can. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that was an awesome thumbs up. That's going to go down in the annals of thumb uppery. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I, I wanted to also um, switch from Pink 5 for a second to uh, back to the Clone Wars. I mean, I realize that it's it's... Uh, oh, no, yeah, yeah, no I longer that. with us. Yeah, oh. you know, way back uh, last month. Yeah, they're no longer with us. But I was curious about um, some of the things um, when you were playing Tarkin in the last story arc and kind of knowing where the character goes in episode four. Um, uh, was there was there any sort of backstory that you filled in to the character to 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 be able to portray him the way that you did? You know, you knew where he was in the the season five from the the arc that they had written, uh, but was there anything that sort of helped fill that in in your own mind, or was it just kind of a take it as the script comes in and 
Uh, no, Dave Filoni actually had a conversation with me before we started on that arc. I can't reveal everything that he said to okay. me because I don't know where that other backstory pieces is going to show up again. But he gave it to me so that I would have the proper, uh, you know, frame of reference to say, like, the thing that I can say, you know, that he talked about with me is that uh, this was uh, Tarkin's sort of his his move. He's making his big move here, his power grab. Ah. Uh, for to you know his military to show that the military should be in charge, and uh, that was basically the jumping off point. There was a there there was a, a scene that was I don't want to say it was cut it was truncated rewritten. Um, I guess it was too long. It, it's in a way I, I wish the finale would have been a longer like a special you know tonight on a special one hour Clone Wars <laughs> you know <laughs> right <laughs> very special Clone Wars the um. There was the the uh, a sequence in the middle of the court scene where Tarkin used that um, bit that he did in the Jedi Temple where he said, you know, you really should expel Ahsoka from the uh, the Jedi Order, otherwise the public are going to see this as a rather biased trial. Uh, so the Jedi sort of like agree that you know, okay, well you know we'll think about it and they end up doing it, and then during the trial he actually uses that against them. He says uh, he's talking to Padme and looking at Ahsoka and saying, well if she's so innocent. Why did the Jedi expel her uh, from their order? And he starts to use that as a tactic. He, you know, so he double crosses everybody, essentially, is what he does, which is very Tarkin-esque. I mean, it's, I think that it was cut primarily just for time, um, you know, so they could get, you know, probably more uh, lightsaber battles. Right. Oh, that sounds amazing, though. That would have been, you're right, that would have been a great sort of extended episode to see that all kind of fall into place. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe uh, the DVD of it will have you know uh, you know scenes that were cut out or an extended edition or something like that. But I really thought it was it's you know I know some fans don't really like uh, the Clone Wars when it gets too talky. You know they they like more of the action stuff. But you know some of that stuff is 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 that backstory is really critical into making everything work. You know it can't just all be spaceship battles and lightsaber battles, which I I love that stuff. But some of the meat, some of the stuff that makes this makes all that work and make all that all that other stuff make sense, are these sort of like backroom deals and the double dealings and you know all this backstabbing that goes on. Right. It was really fascinating to see that in this last season, especially how much detail they put into those kinds of things. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think they they really pulled out all the stops. I mean, it was beginning to look. I don't know. If, I'm sure that most people noticed this especially the last few episodes in that arc, they were beginning to look very much like the original trilogy. It didn't look like prequel stuff anymore. It really started to look like OT stuff. Absolutely. Which is good, I think. Yeah, that's why yeah. I think so many people really enjoyed it, and then were, oh, I can't believe it's gone. So. Well, I felt the same way when Revenge of the Sith came out. You know, towards the end of the film, you know, I was when uh, Darth Vader be, or when Anakin becomes Darth Vader, yeah. and you know, he's, you know, they start cutting to the shots aboard, you know, the the cruiser or whatever they're on, and all of a sudden, you know, all the instrument panels look very familiar. You see that black with the white outlines around things, and. Right. You know, all of a sudden the uniforms look very familiar, and then the movie ends. And it's yeah, like, oh. exactly. Oh. It's in the words of Darth Vader, no. <laughs> I could have gone on for at least another half hour more with that sort of setup. You know, kind of bleeding into uh, you know the stuff that was all all too familiar from Episode Four. Exactly. It was like we just got to the point where we really were into it. Right, and you know they're out there looking at the construction site of the you know the Death Star out there. You know. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So I wondered if you could talk to us a little about uh, some of the other characters that you played on the Clone Wars, and which one has been your 
favorite and which one was your least favorite? Well, I would say one of my favorites is definitely everyone's favorite, Colonel Meeber Gascon of the Grand Imperial Army of the Republic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I have a least favorite character. I mean, I I guess you could say, you know, characters that only have one line or something or don't really, uh, you know, give you that much to work with. But in doing all the characters in the show are great. Um, you know, um, everybody from Moralo Evolve, the evil, psychotic bounty hunter, you know, and <laughs> friend, to, friend to children across the universe, you know. Um, he, was a, he was a great fun to do. And that's one of the things that I really like about this show is that they've given me, they gave me the opportunity to play such, uh, such a range, such a spectrum, you know, from Moralo Evolve, who's a psycho, to uh, Colonel Mieber Gascon, who's this little good guy, but he has a Napoleon complex, to, you know, Prego, the carnival barker, you know, with the young Jedi, um, and Masameda, who's, you know, was still very mysterious character. They cut his best scenes out of the uh, Duchess of Mandalore sequence, but they're on the Blu-ray. Oh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he has an extensive uh, dialogue sequence where he goes head-to-head with Anakin, and, you know, those two really start sparring verbally, uh... It's one of the last times that they actually did full animation of deleted scenes because Dave was Dave Filoni was telling me they'd gotten so good at animatics and stuff that they never really had to go to that length anymore. But uh, back in season two, they were still just, I guess, animating everything and then just cutting it like you would a real film, taking the things out that make the either don't work or make the episode too long. So I was very fortunate to have those things fully animated and uh, nested away uh, on the Blu-ray uh, DVDs, but. Yeah, it's 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 hard to it's hard to say a favorite. Tarkin's a favorite just because he's so iconic, and I would have to say Mieber Gascon is a favorite of mine because he got so much airtime. I know which a lot of people <laughs> didn't care for, <laughs> but that was the reason I got. You know, in the Clone Wars, you do in, in any animated series, you don't usually get to have, which is something which is like a, a you know, there was myself and Ben Diskin playing Whack, you know, the robot. That's just two people in the entire cast. It's so rare in an animated series that you get to explore characters in that amount of detail. That really made him a lot of fun. And I would say Moraloi Ball was a lot of fun to do, too, just because he was so evil. He was so twisted. Uh, I mean, he's even, I think he's worse than Tarkin in a lot of ways. Tarkin is cold-blooded, but Moraloi Ball is just, you know, he has no moral compass whatsoever. He's a complete psychotic. I love that character. They had such a he had such a great insane look, even as a cartoon, and then the voice just brought him to life. Yeah, and the thank you. And then he had those great lines like try the sauce. <laughs> like that. I mean, it was just that was so Brent Friedman who wrote that arc in addition to uh the uh the Meaver Gascon arc, he has come up with some of the best dialogue that uh you know, that I've had the opportunity to, to speak in the Clone Wars. My hat is off to the guy. Him and Charles Murray both uh, have written some of my favorite episodes that uh, I was involved with. So, yeah, it's it was it was a great run. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to see what the next uh, their next animated project is in addition to the, uh, the live action. Yeah, yeah, that will be interesting to find out what goes on next. I was curious about, you know, you just gave us examples of like three or four voices. When when you do those voices, is is there something that, um, is there a process that you use to remember which character goes to which? I mean, do you look at a, you know, a, a picture of the character and know exactly that, whose voice it is? Or how do you kind of remember which voice goes to which character? 
Well, I've been fortunate in that a lot of the main characters that I do are very distinct. So, you know, there's not a lot of confusion. When you get into doing some of the sort of lesser characters where, you know, you're playing uh, multiple characters with, like, say, sort of standard British accents, which a lot of the dark side, you know, they're, they all have uh, some kind of a British accent keeping in line with, the, you know, the original trilogy. Right. Then it can become a little confusing. It's like, oh, but the great thing about it is that uh, uh, usually, and this this is true for any animated project, usually because there's so much time between sessions, they will bring samples of what you did in the last session uh. and play them for you so that you can kind of calibrate to like, oh yeah, that's what I did. Because sometimes months will go by, or you know, in, in the case of Tarkin, it was like two seasons. You know, and you're like, okay, where were we with this last time? And right. how did we approach this? And you know, and in that particular case, we wanted to change just because Tarkin had become more uh, sure of himself and less uh, less the good guy and more starting to become the bad guy. So, you know, there was a different approach to his voice in those last few uh, episodes, and hopefully, people will hear it. That's what I was, and that was sort of shooting for, is that you know he became uh, his his. Uh, what do you call it? Delivery became more staccato and more abrupt, and he just didn't have less patience with everybody. You know? Right, right. I can see where that differs now that you've said that, because I know that you do impersonations as well, and the difference between a character that's sort of been written that you are creating and then impersonating another person, you know, would, would be a completely different thing, I would suppose. Yeah, it, it's 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 voice matching in the voiceover world is uh, is kind of a it's its own separate little category and you know it, it it's not always some people think well it's just doing impressions and it and it's not really because impressions impressionists for example will you know they will they'll look for a particular thing that an actor does you know like sean connery and you may just just get more bombastic and make it like that <laughs> but if you're going to voice match sean connery in a film you have to emulate his performance you know exactly what is the actor doing in that particular film and how can you continue that because a lot of voice match work is you're called in to do a dialogue replacement or what they call looping uh in post-production when say the actor is no longer around there let's say they're on the the next film and they're on set in another part of the world and they need to redo a line because you know an airplane flew over while they were talking and no one could hear it well, you can't just go in and do a, you know, a Sean Connery or a William Shatner impression. You know, you actually have to do that actor's performance in that film, whether they're doing an accent or they're not doing an accent or whatever. So that's a it's a it's a whole different ball game when you go in to do that. And a lot of times, I mean, I've gone into films where they'll let you they'll sit sit you down and make you watch a half hour of the actor's performance before you get started, so you have an idea of what they were doing in this particular film. Instead of just jumping right in and going for it, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's an art form unto itself, and it's a, it's a core group of people that do it. I mean, every once in a while, you'll you'll find someone that just happens to exactly sound like you know a particular person, and that's great. But most of the time, you know, they they have to go out and audition and say like, we need somebody to do Liam Neeson in this particular film. He's doing this kind of thing, and they'll give you the voice samples. Sometimes, sometimes it's such high, you know. Uh, what do you call it? Security. They can't even let that out of the studio, and they wow. bring it all down to Warner Brothers or Sony or MGM or whatever, and you do it there in front of the director, and they make their decisions there. Wow. Yeah, it's a little different than most other voiceover jobs. So, are there any endeavors that you're currently working on that you might want to let our listeners know about? 
Let's see. I've got I've got a new series that I'm working on for Disney. I can't give too many details about it, but it's uh, it's it's a great show. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. It's got an incredible cast that includes not only myself but um, uh, Billy uh, Billy West and Maurice LaMarche, uh, Bill Farmer, um, uh, Kevin Michael Richardson. Uh, it's 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 a it's got a great cast in it. And that's only like the you know some of the male members of the cast. It's like. You know, I think there's like twice that many people involved in it. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Um, I just ended up doing a World of Warcraft. Um, I didn't end up doing it, but it just got released. The newest patch, I think, 5.2 um, for people that are World of Warcraft players out there. That's uh, really kind of different. Man. All of our characters have sort of these crazy, almost Jamaican accent type. Of they're, they're, it's it's I, I don't know the game. The game's been going on for how many years now, and I, I haven't played it since you know I got my free disc on Earthlink back in 1990 <laughs> something. You know? Yeah, so, that's but probably you could about be level 500 they, by it's now. How they hook you in, right? You know, that's how they get you. At least in the old days, that's how they got you. Now yeah. you can just I think sign up for online, you know, for free, and then start that's awesome. paying as you go. But yeah, it's uh, so I've got that. I recently did uh, for Double Fine uh, the people Tim Schafer's company uh, that did uh, Psychonauts, which was a game that I worked on. I just recently did The Cave, uh, which was directed by Ron Gilbert, you know, who did Monkey Island, and uh, I think he also worked on Maniac Mansion, all those old Lucas Arts uh, games that uh, really blew everyone away when those came out. And uh, and then there's other stuff I'm working on. Of course, can't talk about, but you know as as they get released, then you know the <laughs> the gag orders come come you know they come loose and then you can start talking about things. But. Well, the good news is we haven't heard the last of Stephen Stanton. No, not yet. <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> of course not. But we'll never know it's you. <laughs> well, in the, well, I'll I'll try to keep you guys uh, uh, keep you guys uh, abreast of what's going on here, so that there's no guesswork involved. Can you guys think of anything over here? I'm asking, touching. What, you, what am I forgetting? Because it gets busy sometimes, and I forget. <laughs> yeah, we can't talk about that, though. Yeah. So. No way. <laughs> so there you go. There's another thing. Oh, that's right. Government issue Joseph, yes. So that's oh, uh, the stop motion thing that uh, I'm working on, too. Uh, which there, I put an episode up on YouTube, episode number... Which episode was 27, that? 27. 27. Where Joe and Hamish... This is a stop motion thing that I've been doing with, with uh, using some of the action figures that I had as a kid. And it's kind of like what goes on in my, uh, my home when I'm not around. And uh, Joe and Hamish... Are two action figures, and uh, they they have a long relationship together now. But they they watched the Hobbit DVD while I was out, and they kind of reviewed it. <laughs> that was not very, right. Very skewed, rather <laughs> misinformed view. I don't think they understood it completely, but yeah. Well, I've checked out a few of those episodes, uh, and I can't tell you, man. Every time they make me laugh. So oh, that's good. Thank you, listeners. Yeah. Check them out. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, you know, there quite a few people have checked out the last one. It's up to over two hundred thousand uh, views on YouTube now. Two hundred seventy thousand. Okay, I haven't wow. checked. So, <laughs> well, that's a couple. That's yes, we're trying to yeah, launch that can... one into a uh, into a television series. So I can talk about that because. It's us doing it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we can definitely put a link to that uh, YouTube video in our show notes so that yeah. people know exactly sure, what Sure, absolutely. I think, I think everybody would get a kick out of it, especially yeah. if you've seen The Hobbit. If you haven't seen The Hobbit, there might be some spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's short people in it. What else can well, you Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to be mindful of your time, Stephen. We want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, 
Um, I had one last question just because, and that is, is there is there sort of any single question that you always wish people would ask you but no one ever has? Oh, yeah. They, yeah, is Tarkin alive? Oh. So, hey, Stephen, is Tarkin alive? Well, let me take on that. <laughs> I can't remember that. Uh, remember that uh, I've been asked about this on a couple of times where people said, what was up with that hologram projector that was on the, the cruiser that uh, Gascon and the D-Squad infiltrated, the one that was hijacked. And you're like, what do you think of that? And I'm like, well, that's a new technology. That was obviously something. This is not the same kind of hologram, the communication hologram. That's kind of a low-res kind of thing where you're, you know, transferring a lot of bits of data over, you know, who knows how many miles. This is like a stationary thing that's projecting an imaginary crew that's not there. Kind of like, let's say you were a grand moth on a Death Star and you're really hedging your bets. It's the same kind of hologram projector you might have there so that people think you're there, but when the thing blows up, you're actually somewhere else. Right. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you saw how that stuff worked on that uh, show. I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. Saying. Sneaky. <laughs> we all have our ways and means, don't we? <laughs> well, that's awesome. I, I want to uh, thank you for all of us uh, here at the Bible First Cast and, and the Legion for everything that you do to help support us. Uh, and you know, as part of the Five Hundred First Legion, as an honorary member, it's a privilege to have you on the show. So thank you so much. Well, and thank you guys. I'm so honored to be a part of the organization, and I know I'm going to be seeing a lot of you uh, coming up at uh, Long Beach Comic Con on uh, May 11th. Absolutely. Oops, I'm sorry. And in Houston too. That's but that's Space City Con in August. Uh, that's but that's coming up. A, that's a couple months away now. Yeah, it'll come up faster than we think. I know it will. <laughs> it'll be just like yesterday. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm hoping to see some new people, and of course, a lot of friends, a lot of old friends. I've been making so many friends in the Five O First family. It's great to see everybody every time we go to a con. So looking forward to seeing you guys again in Long Beach and thereafter. Yeah, greatly appreciated. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Oh, yeah, hopefully by Long Beach, I shall have my new challenge coin. <gasps> oh. Dun, dun, dun. At the patch first, now the challenge coin is coming. Oh, <laughs> uh, that'll be exciting. It will be. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be there for the 501st. Oh, yeah, it will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any 501st members, we can uh, come on down and check out the the challenge point. <laughs> and I'll be careful not to drop yeah, I was going to say, like you I just did, better. Like I did it all, Con. <laughs> Thanks for that after the fact. I blame Nick Bishop. Uh, every, just sort of knows. He didn't give me the full rules on that. I think Nick Bishop still owes a whole bunch of people drinks for that. Yeah, although Nick Bishop was explaining to me about the rules of the challenge coin, but he never mentioned anything about what happens when you drop it. And so I was at AllCon, and somebody was giving me a T-shirt and a couple of other things, and I had a challenge coin in my hand, and it fell out of my hand and fell on the floor and made this audible ding, and everyone was like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, what did I do? Did I like, drop the American flag kind of a thing? And I wasn't sure. And they're like, no, you just brought everybody around their drinks. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's all right. <laughs> I can do that. It's fun. Uh, what are you gonna do? <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Yes, I'm um, just be giving a, a a note here to say that Nick Bishop is the greatest EXO that the <laughs> first currently has. Yes, that uh, yes, that he. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> that's another note for another uh, organization. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> 
Whatever would we do without Nick Bishop if he weren't here? I don't know. There's probably a list someone's made up, though. So. <laughs> Kathy, can I have another Foster's here? That's just I'm just saying that to make <laughs> And all the, all the Australian. Well, here we go. Hold on. All of you in Australia. <laughs> that, that was a Foster. <laughs> <laughs> that is not right. Cassie, of course. Of course, we know they don't drink it over there. <laughs> That's awesome. Budweiser of beers or something. I'm not, shouldn't say that. My father worked for Budweiser, so <laughs> Anheuser Busch. They're great too. Okay, <laughs> I'm done plugging everything now. <laughs> <laughs> and next on the Stephen Stanton Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Five O First Legion members will once again be taking the stage with Weird Al Yankovic for several of his shows in April and June. The next one will be April 10th with the Carolina Garrison in Raleigh, North Carolina. Also confirmed to appear is Central Garrison at the April 21st concert in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. We'll have a link to this full tour in our show notes. And there is another Carolina Garrison event that I do not get to go to. Wow. I don't actually think you're allowed to say Weird Al Yankovic without going, Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) (laughs) So coming up on Saturday, May the 4th, a.k.a. Star Wars Day, will be the annual Free Comic Book Day. And yes, there will actually be a Star Wars issue this year. So many of our units will be out at their local comic book shops helping to bring awareness to the event. And you can head over to freecomicbookday.com to find participating stores near you. And to find out where the 501st will be appearing in your area, drop us a line at eventrequest at 501st.com. You know, it's going to be a busy May the 4th because with the May the 4th Day, which has become its own sort of thing for us now, and Free Comic Book Day, um, yeah, we're, I mean, like Southern California Garrison, we're getting tons of requests. I'm going to send like one trooper to every request. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be fun. Well, speaking of Southern California Garrison, <laughs> the uh, uh, in appreciation for members of the 501st Legion and its fans, uh, Stephen Stanton, who we just heard from, has invited us all to the Long Beach Comic Con on May 11th to attend an exclusive screening of the complete Pink Five saga. Now, seating will be limited, so to RSVP, we're going to have a link in the show notes, but you can RSVP to... Scott Allen, the Legion Charity Officer. Who is that Scott Allen? I, the name is so familiar. Yeah, yeah that's familiar. <laughs> but be sure to RSVP if you can make it. Seating is limited. Uh, I had a chance to see the screening at AllCon in Dallas, and it was funny. That's all I'll say. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> Our Australian Redback Garrison will be appearing at Supernova in Queensland on April 19th through the 20th at the Gold Coast Convention and Exhibition Center. Head over to www.supernova.com.au to get more details about the con. Redback will also be appearing at Dreamworld Amusement Park for Stormtroopers Weekend on May 4th and 5th. We'll have a link to that event in our show notes. 
And in case you've been hiding in a cave the past few weeks, Star Wars Weekends is returning to Walt Disney World's Hollywood Studios starting May 17th and running through June 9th, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays only. You can check out all the details at DisneyWorld.com slash Star Wars Weekends. And like I mentioned earlier, the 501st Legion will once again be marching in the daily parades. You can check in with our Florida Garrison if you're a 501st member and would like to participate. So far, it looks like the celebrity guests include Ray Park, Warwick Davis, and Billy D. Williams. That sounds like a lot of fun. I haven't ever made it out there myself. And my husband marched in the parade in 2009, I think it was. And uh, so we went down for that to watch him. Nice. I may have to check it out. Well, we've talked about the Star Wars Identities exhibition uh, on previous episodes of the 501st cast. It debuted in Montreal and then moved to Edmonton, Alberta, and uh, it will now be opening in Ottawa starting May 10th and will run until September 2nd. So head on over to www.starwarsidentities.com and learn more about the exhibition. For more upcoming events, be sure to check out our friends at Roku Depot. They publish the Dataverse from the 501st, which contains upcoming events from as many of our Legion units as they can possibly gather data from. Check out the link in the show notes. This episode shout-out goes to Trey Nichols, TK4251 of Garrison Corita. When Mountain Garrison member Aaron Garber's wedding announcement was ruined in a freak slurpee-slash-post-office accident, Trey surprised him with an offer of his services as a professional printer free of charge, his only concern being that Aaron and his fiancée get the replacement cards they needed without delay. Trey's generosity and willingness to help a Legion brother embodies the spirit of family in the 501st, and for that, we honor Trey with the Legion Trooper of the Month. Congratulations also goes out to Theron Thompson, CT6051, also of Garrison Corita, for his coordination of efforts at Penn State's Thon Fundraiser, which raised a record this year to fight pediatric cancer. Buckets off to you both. Nicely done, gents. But I'm sorry, I have to rewind a little bit. The announcements were ruined in a freak slurpy post office accident. Can someone explain (laughs) what kind (laughs) of it? (laughs) From what I remember when I read when this first happened, you know, the big blue post office bins where you dump all your mail? Well, someone thought that that was a garbage can and dumps their half-drank <laughs> Slurpee in there. Okay. Well, at least that makes sense. I'm picturing some guy at the post office. Hey, Bob, throw me the mail. <laughs> Hang on a second. I'm sucking down a Slurpee. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, how, how does an accident like that happen? Okay. <laughs> That's why I was freaked. I get it now. <laughs> that is freakish, dang it. Yeah, but definitely, congratulations, yeah, Trey. Yeah, and this and is just way to like the tip up. of the iceberg Absolutely. of what he does for the gear, for the Legion. That's so cool. He's uh, he's helped me with doing uh, business cards for the Galactic Academy. He's done those gigantic world map banners that everyone loves, which are an awesome conversation they piece. Are. Um, he has done 
a run after run of the, the Legion brochures, which actually i got to work with them on new ones for those. Um, all of the 501st Legion's trading cards he does, he's, he definitely puts uh, in a lot of overtime for the Legion. Wow, that's really great. Thanks again, Trey. As always, our official home on the web is 501st.com forward slash podcast, where you can post your feedback and comments and listen to previous episodes of the show. The 501st cast is an easy way to catch up on a few weeks of the Legion news while driving, sitting at the office, doing nothing, working out, you know, whatever it is. But if you're looking for up-to-the-minute news, you'll need to get it from our social media feeds like Facebook and Twitter. Just look us up on Facebook as the 501st Legion or go to facebook.com forward slash the 501st Legion. You can also follow us on Twitter as at 501st Legion or go to twitter.com forward slash 501st Legion. Join in the discussion as thousands of fellow fans share their passion for trooping, Star Wars, and charity. The 501st is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. While it is not sponsored by Lucasfilm Limited, it is Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming group. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are the intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright 2013, Lucasfilm Limited, and trademark all rights reserved, used under authorization.